We are ending off today a short little series of three weeks where we ask the question, does church still matter? All right, so the answer is, all right, fantastic. Now, church matters. It really does matter. But I think the more pertinent question is not does church matter, because if you are a child of God, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, I'm sure that you would answer yes, it matters. The more pertinent question, though, is does it matter to you? Because yes, it matters. And we, we, we spoke about this in the first week. If we talk from the Bible and we look at it theologically, then the church matters because it is God's chosen vehicle on this earth to display and reveal his kingdom. He has specifically chosen his church to be the embodiment of who he is on this planet. There is no other way, there is no other organization, there's no other structure that we read about in the Bible apart from the church. And the reason why it matters that we said in, in the very first week, a lot of people talk about building the kingdom of God, while well, that is not found in Scripture. According to Scripture, you don't build the kingdom of God. We reveal the kingdom, we show the kingdom, we represent the kingdom, we, we bring the kingdom where we are, but in Scripture, you build the church, and the church advances the kingdom. And so, a lot of people have had negative experiences with church, and I understand that, because here's the reality. Whenever you have something to do with people, you're going to have a bad experience somewhere down the line. And maybe it's, maybe it's confession time, all right? I am human, in case you missed it. And so this morning, between the two services, I had a lady come to me and told me you know, that she needed to set me free from something that she held on to for quite a number of years regarding me. I said, okay. And she said, well, apparently 12 years ago, they were in dire need of someone to come pray for their daughter in hospital. And I didn't show up. And this morning, I had an opportunity to say, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. If I said I would be there and I didn't show up, I'm sorry. And so sometimes people have experiences like that in church simply because we're human, we make errors, and we do things that we don't intend, and then they say, well, church is bad. Listen, church isn't bad. It's God's chosen body on this earth, and Jesus is the head of this body. And that's the way he chose to advance his kingdom. And so in the first week, we said, well, if church matters because of that, well, how do we build the church? And the very first week we said, well, the first way to build the church is just simply to be involved. Just attend. Just come. Just be together. We've, we've seen a bunch of research over the past couple of years proving that gathering with other people has immense benefits to your health, psychologically, emotionally, physically. Jesus structured the church in such a way that we gather together and something of the life of Christ flows to us, even in our gathering. Without us singing, without us preaching, without us doing anything, just by simply being together, 
something of the life of Jesus flows to us. And that's the first way we build the church is we simply attend. And I want to read you two quotes. I'm going to read you a third one as well. But when I read them, they were, they were quite in your face. All right. So don't be offended. Uh, look to someone next to you and say, don't be offended. All right. But these are two quite big theologians. The one was a theologian from the UK and the other one from the US, which recently passed away. And um, they said this regarding coming to God's church, if you're a child of God. He said, R.C. Sproul, he said the following, to stay away from church is to spit in God's face and despise his gift of the kingdom. He says, attending church and being part of the kingdom are so intricately linked that you can't separate the two. The other theologian, Donald McLeod, he said, the question whether or not to join the church or belong to the church is not one that is open for the Christian believer. You are part of this body. It matters. And one of the first ways that we build the church is that we are involved. We just attend. We gather. We come together to celebrate what God has done. But then the second week we said, okay, well, what's another way that we can build the church? If it really matters, we are involved. But the second way is that we actually invite people. And when I, when I spoke about this last week, I didn't say you invite someone to an event. Remember that? Because often people invite someone to church because they, they feel this might be cool. So we don't invite people to an event because it's cool. You don't invite someone to Caladio because maybe the screen is cool and they like the screen. Because let me tell you, the screen never has, never will, cannot save someone's soul. We invite people simply because we really believe that Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. That Jesus still saves lives. That's why we invite people, not because we have faith in a church, because we have faith in the head of the church, Jesus. That's why we invite. That's why we invite people and say, Lord, I don't know what they're singing today. I don't know what they're preaching today, but I trust your spirit to work in someone's life. That's why we invite. Now, an older theologian, very old, he lived 354 years after Christ. Augustine of Hippo said the following, he cannot have God for his father who refuses to have the church for his mother. That's a cool quote. Cannot have God as a father if you refuse to have the church for your mother. The two are inseparable. That's the way that God chose to work on this earth. So now we get to this week. And if you'll give me 20 minutes, I'm going to try my best to finish this in 20 minutes. All right, so you're going to have to listen fast. Look to someone next to you and say, listen quickly. All right. Before... I get into a bunch of other stuff. Let me just quickly see, and you can just wave a little bit like this. All right. If you're watching online, hand emoji. All right. Who have you sensed that maybe there is a purpose and a plan to your life, and even if you haven't discovered it yet, but you just sense, you know, something inside. You don't know really what it is, but God might have a plan and purpose for your life. Who have you sensed something like that? All right. Most of us. And we sense that, because God has a plan for you. He has placed something inside of you that he wants you to fulfill. And 
nothing else in your life will bring the fulfillment that your soul desires more than doing the will of the Father. That is what you were created for. The problem, however, is a lot of people are searching for their purpose and might even know what their purpose is, but not a lot of us are willing to pay the price for the fulfillment of that purpose. And so today I want you to hold on to your seat because I'm going to say a few things that might ruffle your feathers. Don't throw me with paint or something if you have paint. <laughs> but I believe in a church. And if I can bring it back to this church, I believe in the global church, I believe in the family of God, and I believe that all churches that proclaim the name of Jesus Christ are on our side. We're fighting the same battle. But if I can just bring it home a little bit, if I can talk about Caladio, I dream of a church where we can see God still moving in miraculous ways because I believe he still does. I dream of a church where we can see marriages being restored even though it looks like it is the absolute end of everything. I dream of a church where people discover their purpose, where people live out the fulfillment of who Christ has created them to be. I dream of a church that influences our community and, and um, takes on injustice and addresses certain structures that are not godly. I dream of a church that actually makes a difference. And I'm sure if you go think about that, maybe you do too. I dream of that church. But we can dream as much as we like because if you remember one of my old sayings, in order to do that, you need a strong foundation and you cannot fire a cannon from a canoe. You need something strong. That's why we need to build the church. And in the book of Acts, we get a picture of a church that functioned in that way. That's why I dream of that church, not because it's something that I dreamed because I ate too much pizza one night, it's because I, but that's what I read in Scripture, is the very first church actually changed the face of this earth. It changed the face of everything. The first church in Jerusalem, and they function in a very specific way, and we're not going to go into detail about how they function, but there's one thing that stands out when you read about that first church in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 47 got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Acts chapter 2 verse 47, and I want you to underline something there or circle something or highlight something there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, all the while, talking about how they functioned, praising God, and then this, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Say to someone next to you, goodwill. Look at them again and say, respect. There is something that this church did that earned them the respect and the goodwill of the whole nation. There is something that they did that caused people to look at them and say, they've got something. These people need to be respected. The way that they live And I want to talk to you about it, that one thing, because how do you earn that kind of respect? 
if church still matters and we want to build a church that actually advances the kingdom, we do need the goodwill and respect of people around us. And how do you build that kind of church? There's only one thing that they did. And history documented this. I'm not going to jump into the detail of what it is and how they did it and all of that. That will take too long, too much time. But history documented the fact that the reason why the first church held the respect of the whole nation was not because of their teaching, not because of what they believed. It was simply because of their generosity. It was because they were generous. They lived with open hands. They were generous with their time, with, their, uh, with what they had to give. They, they were givers. They were generous people. And it makes sense if you read Psalm 112, verse 9, which says, He who gives generously to the needy and shows kindness will be powerful and respected. It was primarily because they were a generous people that they had the respect of the whole nation. Because no one is ever respected for what they receive. They are respected for what they give. People are admired for what they've received. If you, if you think of someone that's on the world's like richest list and whatever, you are admiring them. You're not honoring them. You're simply admiring. There's a difference. People are honored for what they give. And the reason why generosity produces so much respect is because it reveals something of the heart of God. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we get the, one of the most famous verses that most people can quote by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave. Scripture doesn't say God so loved the world that he gave us a set of rules or that he wrote down the Ten Commandments or that he interceded for us or that, no, he gave. And someone once said this, he says, you can, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. When you truly love Giving accompanies that. Now, I just want to see all the dads that are here, if you are with me. But you will give yourself into bankruptcy for your family. Anyone with me? I'm there. Yeah, I want to buy toys. I want to buy Playstations. I want to buy stuff that my kids don't need at all simply because I love them. Now, I don't do that because I have a budget. All right, but <laughs> I want to. It's got nothing to do with what they've done. It's got nothing to do with what I got from them. It is simply based on the fact that my wife and my kids have a massive part in my heart I want to give. And that's what God came to show. Because he loved us, he gave. And he didn't just give something. He gave his son. He gave his most precious possession. 
And this is one of the reasons why I sense a lot of people are not fulfilling their purpose that God has for their life. Because we like serving God until he asks something from us. I believe that the fulfillment of your purpose, of the call of God on your life, lies in the measure that you are willing to give back to God. Willing to sacrifice certain things. That's just the way it works. Jesus fulfilled his purpose, his plan, his mission on this earth. And it ended in death on a cross. God required his life for him to fulfill his purpose. If we are to build a church that advances the kingdom, we need to understand that in order for us to fulfill our purpose, we need to be generous. We need to be open-handed with what we have in our lives. Because being generous, it has two advantages to you. Firstly, it frees you from selfishness. Now, remember the words of Jesus when he said, you can't serve God and money. And there, there, was, a, there was a word that he used for money. It is, it's called mammon. And that was the God of money. He said, you can't serve God and another God, the God of money, at the same time. So the only way to get free of one of the two is to give away the stuff of the other. So if you want to be free of God, give away God's things and chase money. Or if you want to be free of the hold and selfishness of money, give that away and cling to God. So giving generously frees you from selfishness, but secondly, it causes you to stand spiritually. Listen to what Isaiah 32 verse 8 says, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. It causes you to stand. It causes you to earn respect from people. Now I know that the moment that we use the word generosity in church, our minds make a leap to somewhere. And that leap is money. Now look at someone next to you and say, this is not only about money. Because the moment we talk about money in church, something happens. Like a thing that comes up and you, your ears get clogged up and you're like, oh, whatever, the church just wants my money again. Let me tell you something. God doesn't need your money. And I'm not begging for money today. I'm trying to teach a spiritual principle that causes the kingdom of God to advance. It has over the centuries. Is that when God's people understand that they have been entrusted with much and they can be generous with what they have received. And therefore this morning, there are three areas in your life that you need to be generous with. Three areas. And if you're taking notes, write these three down because it's not only money. Because what happens 
We get so stuck on the idea that we have to only be generous with our money that we forget there's a whole life that you're living and you're not generous with that. And so sometimes people tithe and then they say, well, I've tithed, so I don't have to be generous with the rest. Well, that's not true. Didn't Jesus say the following words? That if you wanna follow me, you need to take up your cross. You see, there is a price to be paid for the purposes of God in your life. There is a road to be walked. There is something that God expects of you, and we don't like that very often. Because we have somehow, in the Western culture, bought into the past 40 or 50 years of teaching that, that sort of teaches something in the vein of love Jesus and get rich. And so when we're not rich and things aren't going well, we tend to think that we have done something wrong. But that's not true. That is a lie. Jesus himself said, in this life you will have trouble. And so having a lot of stuff, not having stuff, having an easy life, not having an easy life, has got nothing to do with your relationship with God. Yes, God does bless. He does. And I trust God that he will bless us, that he will bless you. I do. But sometimes we don't experience that blessing in a physical way. Sometimes it's in other ways. And that's okay. But the first thing that you need to be generous with in your life that God has entrusted to you is something that he's given an equal amount to everyone. Is your time. If we want to build a church that affects our nation, that affects our community, that gains the respect of everyone, we need to be generous with the time that he's given us. And that is a hot commodity these days. <laughs> so maybe I want to ask you this question. Do you have a couple of minutes extra to spare on a Sunday to come serve in this body? Maybe you have a half an hour that you can be here earlier before the service and just make people feel welcome. You're at the door and smile at them and say, hey, it's nice to meet you, nice to see you. And you might think, well, really, is that all? And I've told this story countless times, so if you've heard it, just forgive me for a moment. But when I speak to our new members classes, people that attend and say, I, I wanna be a member, I usually ask the question, why did you join Caladia? Because I wanna know. And my ego hopes they say, oh, Emil, because you are such an awesome preacher, right? And nobody ever says that. <laughs> Guess what nine out of 10 people say why they joined the church? Because they were greeted friendly. That's the reason. And it makes sense. Because that's what Jesus said in, in John chapter 13, verse 35. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. Not because you have a great preacher or great worship music or a great screen or great, great lights. Not by that. When you love one another, then people will know. Oh, well, scripture is true after all. <laughs> Maybe you've got 30 minutes to spare and say, hey, I'll come, I'll come greet people. I can move some chairs around. I'll, I'll just do something. Maybe you've got a Sunday morning to spare and invest in the lives of children in our kids' ministry and say, hey, I wanna invest in the next generation. Once a month, I'm gonna give up my Sunday morning service. I'm gonna minister there. I'm gonna read stories. I'm gonna tell jokes. I'm gonna wear a dress. 
I'm going to do whatever it takes to get people into the kingdom. How generous are you with your time? The second area that you need to be generous with is your talents. God has given you certain skills that I believe you need to be generous with that you can use within the context of this body, of this church, and say, hey, what can I do? What can I bring? What can I offer? What expertise can I bring to the table so that God might use me in this way? What talents do you have? What has God placed in your hand that he requires of you? What talents has he given you? And then the last one, and with this I'm ending, is your treasure, the money one. And I'm not gonna say much about that. This is not a series on money and finances and all of that, but what do you have? What can you give? What can you bring? According to scripture, God expects a tithe, 10% of your income. And a lot of people feel judged by that. But the New Testament does say, listen, bring whatever you have purposed in your heart. What do you have to give? So the three areas that you need to be generous in is your time, your talents, your treasure. Now I know all of us are constrained by the economy and things are not looking very good at the moment. But if you want to find out where you are in the world's wealth spread, all right, there's a website that you can go to and you can write this down. And the website is How Rich Am I? How Rich Am I? All together. How Rich Am I? Dot giving what we can dot org. How Rich Am I? Dot giving what we can dot org. And you put your, your net salary in there per year. You choose your country and it throws out some stats for you to see where you are at. But here's the thing if you earn in your bank account, more than seven and a half thousand rand per month places you in the top 10% richest people in South Africa. You see, sometimes we think we're poor. We're not poor by a long shot. We're not poor by a long shot. And sometimes we forget that God has placed wealth in our hands. God has placed talents in your hands. God has placed time in your hands. He has given you these gifts. Generosity reveals a heart that truly loves God. And if you want to discover your purpose, if you want to discover what God has truly called you to, or you maybe sense that, but you, you never really break through to that place where you live in that purpose, encourage you to start being generous in one of these areas. The book of Acts says the following, Acts 20 verse 35, it says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then a very old priest, St. Francis of Assisi said the following, for it is in giving that we receive. It is in giving that we receive. And this is my prayer for you today. And I truly mean this. Today my prayer is not that 
you will go revisit your budget and give more money to the church. If that is what God is saying to you, do that. But this is my prayer, that you will listen to the Spirit's voice in your heart. Maybe God's challenging you on your time. And it might be something as small as, hey, I need five more minutes in the morning of your quiet time. Hey, I need 20 minutes of your time to maybe help the church pick up papers. I don't know. Hey, I've given you a talent. How can you use that? That you will discern the voice of God because in living generously, the church is being built and it gains the respect of the communities that we are in and the kingdom of God advances. That's my prayer. I believe in the church. I believe in the body of Christ. I believe that when people like us come together, when we stand together, when we build the body through our gifts, through our spiritual gifts, through our talents, through our finances, through our time, through, through our involvement, through our invitation to other people, when we invest in the kingdom, when we invest in the church, the return is great. And I pray that you will discover that. And so this morning, I want to give you a moment of reflection. Just one minute. But if you sense God calling you into your purpose by living generously in one of the three areas, your time, your talents, or your treasure, or maybe you're just volunteering today and say, Lord, I don't know where I should be generous, but I want to volunteer. I want to live a more generous life. And discover exactly what it is that you have for me. I want us all to close our eyes. And if you're saying that this morning, I want you to just, maybe just place your hand on your heart. And say, Lord, come speak to me. Lord, show me. Show me what my purpose is. Show me where I can be more generous. Show me where I can build your church so that your kingdom may advance. Thank you, Jesus. While your eyes are closed, I just sense God saying something. If this is meant for you, take it. But you've been trying really hard, really hard to discover your purpose or live in your purpose. You've been trying and trying and trying and it really never seems to work out. This morning God is saying, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. And God is inviting you to trust His Spirit more this morning. More. Listen to this, the Spirit speaking to you. Move according to the instruction of God's Spirit, to the unction of God in your heart. It's not because of you trying. 
It's you responding in obedience to the voice of God's Spirit that your purpose will be manifest in your life. So Lord, in this moment, as we are all sitting, maybe grappling with our own thoughts, our own minds, our own feelings, I know there are many people sitting here that know that they have a purpose, that they have a plan, that you have something on their lives, but they might not have discovered it. But this morning, you might be speaking and saying, I want you to be more generous in a certain area of your life. Father, I pray for one thing this morning, is that we will be obedient to your voice. And in our obedience, that we will build your church so that your kingdom might advance. And as I'm praying specifically for Caladio, Lord, may your kingdom advance in this town that we call home, Kempton Park and the East Rand. Lord, the voice of your church is way too silent. I pray that we will stand up, that we will prove that we are followers of Jesus, that we will emulate his generosity. Lord, that he gave his life for us. We thank you for that, Jesus. May we be generous in the same measure. So, Father, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for ministering to our hearts. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all agree, we say, amen.